coder is somebody who can just see a problem and just start coding, right? And that's certainly not me. Mm -hmm. <coughs> um, so one of the problems that, that, that I've had, and probably still have when I'm faced with a really big problem, is, is being able to visualize the solution, being able to visualize the queries that need to, you know, which, which queries are best for which, you know, and, and how to tackle really big problems. So you got a, you know, a thousand line SP and you've got, uh, and, and somebody says, there's a bug in here and I need you to fix it. Right. It's, it's producing three and it should be producing 21, right? right. So, so how do you go about learning to visualize stuff like that and, 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 and how do you tackle those big things? I mean, what, what's some, some really good advice for people that, that are struggling with that kind of thing? Right, so, so I think the key point is to understand that it's not really magic, uh, that uh, you can't just, without any real knowledge and experience, you can't look at a problem and come up with a fantastic solution every time. So the point is to, to you know, ultimately a querying problem is like pretty much a logical puzzle. That's part of why I like it so much. But anyway, uh, you have kind of a, a mixture of uh, more fundamental, you know, techniques. So if you take, you know, the 100 common types of uh, querying problems and you break them into pieces, you know, their, their fundamental uh, uh, components, you will find that there are certain techniques that, that uh, 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 when you break them down like Lego, that uh, you can then go and mix them and create another solution, you know, to handle another querying problem. So the, the point is identifying those more kind of, uh, I would call them sub-problems, you know, break the, the bigger problems into those smaller logical types of problems and being able to come up with some uh, uh, solution for the first time and then keep improving it, you know, polishing it, improving it, and polishing and improving, and ultimately, you know, it becomes easier and easier, but still challenging because always you get something new. So, you know, take uh, this common problem where you have this separated list of values and you need to break it into the individual elements, right? And if you need, for whatever reason, to handle it with T-SQL and not with .NET, because .NET for this particular task is the way to go, actually. But anyway, if you need to come up with a set-based solution for this, then you look at the separated list of values and you need to produce the individual elements. So first of all, instead of trying to come up with the final solution immediately, try to break it down into logical steps. So for one, you know that if you have X number of elements within the string, you would need to produce X rows. So first of all, come up with a logical step that says, I need to generate copies of the original row. How many? As many as the number of elements. Later phase, you will figure out how to figure out how many elements there are, how to count how many. So you have to you get know. the data first, and then you can start first worrying about manipulating. First look at it before you start coding, before you start coding. Look at it, try to break it down into smaller steps, the, the problem itself, yeah? I need to first take the string and generate copies of the string. Second step, once I manage to generate copies, I need to then extract a different piece or a different element from each copy. When I'm done with this, maybe if it's part of the requirement, I also need to calculate the position of each element within the original array or within the original string. Now, dealing with the generation of copies, the, what's the fastest set-based technique to generate copies of a row? Okay, so it's a join, not a loop, obviously. So then let's come up with a way to take the original you know, string and somehow join with a table that has enough rows to represent the number of copies that you need. That, that's pretty much how you how you uh, can uh, uh, handle or visualize whatever you call visualizing the, the, the solution. 
Uh, and then once you figure out a way to generate copies efficiently, you know, in another problem where you need to generate copies, you already know. Yeah. You know, you worked on this, you polished this particular technique, you know, you improved it. You know, so also uh, there's a whole bunch of problems that you can handle with the uh, row numbers, you know, the, the very, very powerful uh, row numbers that were added in SQL Server 2005. Mm -hmm. And in general, the concept of the overclose that allows us right. to handle things in particular logical order, uh, handle it within partitions if we need, uh, frame the, the window and so on and so on. So, you know, there's so many types of problems where you can use those ranking calculations, you know, as part of the solution, but, uh, you know, maybe you don't see it until first time you managed to, to figure out when you saw how to handle this particular step with the, with the, the ranking calculation. And then a different kind of problem, uh, you know, you can use the same technique with some variations. You know, if you're familiar with the problems called gaps and islands, where you need to figure out what are the ranges of missing values within a sequence mm -hmm, yeah. uh, versus the ranges of existing values. So there are amazing, amazing solutions that are based on row numbers. Uh, they're not that intuitive, let's say. I mean, it's not uh, something that I would say that, uh, you know, an average programmer would look at this and never thought about how to use ranking calculations for this purpose. But, you know, once you see it, you get the point, you get the idea, then you can actually use similar concepts in completely different types of problems that also deal with sequences, but I don't know, variations, maybe with temporal data or whatever. So I think it's more about the ability to solve querying problems elegantly and efficiently is about experience. You keep working on problems, you break them into steps, you solve each step, most likely the first few times won't be that efficient, but then the thing is you keep, you know, going back to those and improving and improving and, and the more you have, it's like having a bigger vocabulary, a bigger uh, toolbox, whatever you want to call it. So uh, on that same note then, what, what, what is a good recommendation for, you know, building up to that point? Just, of course, working on problems, but in addition to that, I mean, reading books, you get a lot out of that, but yeah. is there anything additional? Are there, are there repetition, you know, like, a, like a, a weight routine, you know, are there repetitions? Do you do a lot of logic puzzles? I know you include logic puzzles in your book. Yeah, logic puzzles I find is a key because, uh, as I said, the SQL problems are very, very much in their heart logic problems. So, and, and logic, even though some people have, you know, have it within them, kind of, it's kind of a part of their, their, you know, natural abilities, it is something that you can improve. Yes, walking. I certainly hope morning. so. <laughs> oh yeah, it's something that you can definitely improve. So the point is, in in some cases, you know, it's like mathematical proofs. Uh, you need to do it yourself. Right. If you don't, I mean, if you just read other people's <coughs> proofs, you will never get better. You never learn so the process. You, so it has to be kind of a combination of looking at other people's solutions, always first trying your own, always right. first trying your own, coming up with the best you can, then looking at other people's solution and see if you can, and this is how you can absorb much more because once you try to work on it, then all kinds of processes, you know, already uh, ran through your uh, brain. So things that you would not be able to really absorb or recognize if you didn't try to work on it yourself. So I would say this, you always work on, on your own solution. Once you come up with something, whatever is the best that you can, now start looking at others. And this way you learn another technique, another technique, and it becomes more and more kind of natural thing, I think. So, yeah. That's and you were actually doing that when you were going through, uh, when you were going through a problem uh, about three or four ago. months ago. No, three, about three or four months ago. Remember, you, you did a video on that. 
when you said, here's a solution I've got, and then here's a solution somebody yeah, else. Yeah, I remember that one. Something I found on the internet, and then she found one in your book. Right. And then she said, and she presented all three of them and said, you know, yeah, at the time it was kind of embarrassing because I had gone through and done the first part of the video and, mm -hmm. and there was my solution and then I went and found a better one and I'm like, oh, well, and, and you kind of feel like, you almost feel like a failure, but I think there, there needs to be a change in, in thinking because, <coughs> you know, this was my solution and now I have I have worked through it myself and now I can go and see that someone else has a better solution oh, yeah. and I can incorporate that. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, always like this, you can look at things negatively or positively, I guess, but uh, here it's really, as long as, as long as you put the effort, right. you know, and and as long as you're uh, uh, you know went through all the, of those processes, looking at other people's solution can really be rewarding by itself. You know, this is something I would not think about myself, or maybe you would, but you just didn't. Yeah, didn't. I can give you an example. And this part of what makes it so exciting, I, I think, because if everything was so trivial. If it was so straightforward, so it would be boring. Yeah, they so wouldn't need you to go all the way around the world and teach all the time, huh? And and you know, <laughs> I, I can give you an example that uh, there was this kind of problem that uh, deals with temporal data, where you need the, you know, the concept of per user license, where the license is based on how many, you know, concurrent sessions you have at most. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So so say that that you need you operate on data that represents uh, connections that uh, users made to applications. And for each application, every month, you know, you need to calculate billing information based on what was the maximum number of concurrent sessions connected to each application. So mm -hmm. it's somehow figuring out within the period where there were many sessions, what's the, the number of sessions that were uh, active at most at the same point in time. This is quite an interesting problem to solve efficiently. And I can tell you that for quite a few years, I would say uh, probably over five years, this is one of the uncommon cases where I thought that the only, you know, reasonable solution in terms of performance was based on cursors. Even though yeah. by far the majority of problems are usually best solved with set-based queries, there are here and there minority that, you know, the way SQL servers optimize and handles those. So the best set-based solution that I had so far was a solution with the quadratic complexity, where you increase the number of rows by a factor of f, runtime increases by a factor of f squared. So, you know, unless you're dealing with tiny, tiny table, uh, it just never it's finishes. A, and a cursor solution uh, that I had did this in uh, linear complexity, so just two uh, passes over the data. And then a few months ago, I was in the UK delivering a class, and uh, I gave this as an exercise students. I wanted to show a case where, you know, even though the recommendation is stick to set-based solutions, here and there. Uh, one student came up with uh, some idea. He didn't uh, develop it, but he <coughs> came up with an idea that thought that would work, and then eventually I came up with a solution based on his uh, insight that uh, had linear complexity. But still, you know, if you have a million rows in the table, for each row, the, the plan for this particular solution needed a C cooperation in an index, mm -hmm. right? So it was linear complexity, so you double the number of rows is double the time, but still, there is some cost associated with each row. Sure. So I, I, I publish a, a couple of articles just last month and this month uh, talking about how interesting it is that uh, after several good years, suddenly something completely new, you know, type of thinking came up that led to this better performing solution. And then one of the readers sends me a solution is even faster than uh, this one. One is based on row numbers. You know, you would uh, thought, that this this would be you know impossible, but 
yeah, the, this guy called Ben Flanagan sent this solution is very, very similar to a technique that I use for uh, islands problems, but never thought of being able to apply to this particular one. I love one, that. I love one that. pass, one pass over the data. Wow. Not wow. linear complexity, but not 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 <coughs> far from uh, being quadratic. Amazing, beautiful solution that uh, uses a set-based query. Amazing. That's so this gives you uh, a lot of hope. You know that that uh, problems that you're sure that currently there's no good solution, it's just that you don't see it yet. Yeah. So it keeps things interesting, you know, that it's worthwhile, put more time, revisit problems. If now you can see the solution, leave it, you know, come back to it later, after you maybe, you know, uh, learned a couple of new things from people, that techniques that you never thought about, you know, so, yeah. I know, I've been keeps amazed at some of the solutions I've seen people come up with that were just, clearly using things in, in ways they weren't meant to be used for mm -hmm. and that's just <coughs> I just love that that's fabulous yeah, yeah. Um, it's amazing. <coughs> switching uh, switching just a little bit um, you clearly didn't um, you know get out of high school and pick up a sequel book and then start teaching um, I'm sure that you had quite a few years as a coder yourself perhaps, right? Uh, so, actually... So, what's your back? I, I know nothing about your background. Yeah, so I started actually uh, with computers, generally, not specifically SQL, in the Army. And if my first exposure to SQL was uh, a part of a programming class <coughs> we had there. It uh, was SQL class. This was with mainframes, but this was my first time that I saw a SQL query. I really loved it back then, but still didn't think of making it my, uh, you know, focus. So... Uh, I worked with the. I was an operator for Ace 400 for the, the service in the army. And Be then careful, you're going to age yourself. <laughs> 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 well, this was uh, until '92. Uh, okay. And then I started working in the main beer factory in Israel. Also there, I started actually working. Beer factory. Beer factory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was great, great job. My wife actually, I knew her before. I, I met her in the army, but she also joined there and uh, also worked with me there for for a few years. Now you get two free cases of beer every month. <laughs> <laughs> so between the, smell, the salary, so. Yeah, but the smell, whenever you get to the factory, for my wife it gave her heartburns, but I, I like the, the smell. It goes anyway. through cycles, doesn't it? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. beer like the, the, the smell, different during the different fermentation cycles, the smell in the air goes through different yeah, cycles. Yeah, I right? guess, I guess. I'm not the big expert, uh, expert yeah. of beer, but yeah. So anyway, uh, there I started working as a, an S400 operator. But then at some point I started dealing with the, the data analysis uh, stuff. So I would, uh, I would create processes that uh, suck the data from uh, the AS400s into PC databases and then on top also do all kinds of analysis, you know, costing, uh, uh, sales analysis, all kinds of things like this. And then, uh, uh, and then at some point, uh, we brought uh, Panorama, which is uh, the technology that Microsoft later purchased from this Israeli company called Panorama, uh, that eventually became all up services in SQL Server. And at some point later, they switched the name to Analysis Services. But anyway, I worked with the original technology that, uh, that uh, now we have uh, in SQL Server Analysis Services. So I built cubes, my first cube uh, to do with beer products was quite interesting. 
Nice. Uh, so yeah, all kinds of uh, uh, data analysis uh, related uh, activities. So this is where I started uh, dealing more with databases and with the data in general, with the SQL. And then at a later point I started also, uh, well at some part I also did some networking related uh, projects, not really related to data. So there was a period where I ran uh, projects that uh, did network migrations, you know, from older versions to newer versions, like from back then it was from Windows 3.11 or whatever, to 95 with NT uh, servers and so on. And then later I, I came back to the data related uh, stuff, you know, where I started focusing on uh, SQL and specifically SQL Server and also on teaching. And that's where I found that uh, this is the part that I really love to do best. So we've got five minutes. Um, mm, I just probably about three now. About three now. Okay. Um, I got two more questions, and we're going to try to hit these rapid fire. I want to ask something that, that hopefully will inspire lesser coders to hang in there. Hey. What's the, <laughs> What's the biggest mistake that it's been gone has ever made in a production environment? Uh, I would say, uh, well, uh, I can I can mention a couple. Once this was actually back then in the army uh, when I was talking with my wife over the phone, who is now my wife, back then she was just my girlfriend, but I was talking with her over the phone, and this is a central uh, computer room where a bunch of branches from army units spread all over the country are connected to this central environment, and you know, sometimes we would bring down the system, uh, you know, on purpose to do some maintenance activities, uh, whatever, but uh, this particular time I was talking with her over the phone, I was completely distracted, I was sitting on the main console and I typed the command power down system star emit which brings the whole uh, you know central uh, machine down <laughs> and people people started calling <coughs> and I, said, <laughs> I said we're doing backup and they said okay, <laughs> okay. but you went back up <laughs> well it took half an hour you know this oh takes like God. half an hour oh to wow. come back but so yeah. what's two Number two is uh, actually also in the same unit. This was a certain database, uh, kind of a proprietary database that they use in the army. And uh, someone wanted me to delete a specific database. And in that uh, product, the databases are actually made of bunch of files that all start with certain uh, uh, initials and then the number of the database. So it was MH whatever, and then the number, say database 13, would be MH13 and some extensions. They said if you could delete uh, database oh, 13 no. and I say no problem yeah. you know and I say <laughs> del mh star dot star instead of the 13 dot star and then wiped out their entire database and uh, we tried all kinds of tools to recover you know there's all those tools that uh, can recover but yeah I did all kinds of other mistakes on top to make sure that uh, the data was unrecoverable <laughs> and, <laughs> and this was just a, yeah this That's was just wonderful. a favor it wasn't even my unit it was just oh a favor God. that they did because they didn't know how to delete the database so well that's not. how you do okay, it so so last question I'd love to delve into that more but okay so uh you're on the standards committee that this that decided that mm. SQL was pronounced SQL and and, and not there SQL. was a, a, a uh, not SQL, yeah. Yeah, a, a load of, of discussion around that. In 60 seconds, can you tell us what the discussions were? <laughs> what, what kinds of things came up in the discussions about what, about what to call it? What were the big arguments on the table? Uh, well, I, 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 I'm really not sure what were the arguments. I do know that uh, originally they wanted it to, to be named SQL, not really SQL. You know, the original name of the language was uh, SQL. 
for structured English. The E part was for English, right. query language. Uh, but then apparently there was a trademark dispute with some airline company that owned the trademark for SQL, and they had to ah. change the name to SQL. So in fact, when today you pronounce it as SQL, it's wrong. Right. It's wrong. Even though people, yeah, including nobody myself, says SQL Server. Yeah, it's just more fluent kind of way. But uh, this was the history. Why? Why they had to change it from the original SQL name I to see. SQL? Okay. Well, we're being kicked out yeah. of the room. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you for having thank me. You very thank you very much. Very much. Excellent. <laughs> and we'll send you the link so you can post okay. it and all of that. All Excellent. Right. And I will stop the recording and our and our.